0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm very thankful to be able to preach. It's a huge honor for me. So thank you guys for allowing me. Thank you, Pastor Don and our staff for letting me do this. But I want to say really quick today, our title, I'm going to get the, the title out there before anything. Our title For today is the struggle is real. All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to say the struggle is real, but you got to say it like for real, like say the struggle is real. Give it a little passion. Now look at your second choice and say, I'm sorry I didn't pick you. (laughs) Could you do that really quick? If it's your wife, you're in trouble. Hey, but you know, we all go through struggles in life. Everybody walks through some kind of valley, some kind of problem, some kind of an issue in life. A lot of things, a lot of times what we think, and Pastor Don did a great job talking about this on Sunday, is we have to grin and bear it. I love the way that he said that. We have to come to church and we have to smile and say, I'm doing great today. And really inside, something's eating you up. You're going through a trouble in life and it may not even be something that you did. It may be a wayward son or daughter. Maybe something that just came out of the blue financially. It wasn't like you made a bad decision with your finances, just something happened and that's what that that just found you where you're at today. Some kind of a storm, some kind of a trial in life. And everybody goes through a struggle in life. It's such a lie that we can't express our struggles and the things that we're going through. Church is supposed to be a community where people like you and me can come alongside each other and say, you know what, I've been there, I've struggled with that too. But here's what I know about God. He's good and he's faithful. My encouragement to you is I'm gonna make a shameless plug and I don't care. If you are here today and you're like, I don't know anybody in church that I can share those struggles with. We got two great opportunities, life groups, and then you can serve somewhere. And I can let you know from firsthand experience that those people that you serve with and those people that you go to that life group with, they can be those people for you that will walk through life with you. So today we're gonna talk about the struggles that we all face and how we can take those to God and what he can do about that. When you give your struggle to the Lord, he promises to do certain things for you. But the key word is, you gotta give your struggle to the Lord. So a great promise to hold on to is Psalm 23. I'm gonna read this really quick. Psalm 23 says in the New Living Translation, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. I love that word pursue. Just makes me think of somebody chasing you. Now, some of you are really familiar with this scripture. Some of you might say, I've never heard this. Maybe I heard it at a funeral, whatever that may be. We were talking today, some of you might say, I only heard it in a rap song one time or something like that. But some of you may have no clue what this scripture is. Some of you may be incredibly familiar with it. For me, when I was growing up, I was... I was supposed to, I had to learn this passage of scripture, but here's what happened to me. I learned it in the new King James version. It's just a different version of the Bible. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And my little brain was trying to figure out like, I don't think we're supposed to not want God. So that can't be what this means. But my brain didn't see the comment. It didn't understand what it was talking about. So I was just thinking, is this supposed to mean like, I don't want God to be my shepherd? I don't really get it. And then my wife, we were talking about it today, she thought it meant, when she was a kid, she thought it meant you can't want anything, is basically what you're saying, right? Like, I'm not allowed to want anything in life. Like, I want some hamburgers. Nope, you can't want that. It's not allowed. So all the confusion that ensues sometimes when we read scriptures. And I was thinking about when we read scriptures, there's two things, two dangers that can happen. Number one, we can become too familiar with scriptures. And number two, they can feel too distant. So maybe you're here in church and you've heard Psalm 23 your whole entire life and you could stand up and proudly quote it verbatim. Oftentimes what happens is you're going to quote it in about five different translations mixed together because over the years you just kind of mixed them all together. And you could quote it and you're just familiar with it and you forget about it. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I don't get this scripture. I'm new to this I just came to the Lord or I just came back to the Lord and the, the image, the poetic image of a shepherd and sheep and peaceful streams and I just don't understand what this is all about. Here's something else I would challenge you with. A lot of us who feel familiar with these scriptures actually feel like they're too distant as well. I could have grown up knowing the scripture verbatim but never knowing what it meant. A lot of times what we do as Christians, this is just a challenge to those of us who have been in church for maybe our whole lives or maybe a really long time. So many times we know a scripture verbatim, but we don't know how to apply it to us. We don't know how it really functions in our lives. I think what's really interesting about that is Jesus addressed that head on in Matthew 9, 9 13. It says, he was a, Basically, here's what happened. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors were different in that day. They ripped people off like crazy. Um, that's just what they did. Some of you are like, that's what they do to me now. That's not what we're talking about. It's different. So they ripped people off. They would pocket it on the side. That's how they were ripping people off. It was just kind of like, hey, we do whatever we want. They also worked for the Roman government. And so if you were a Jewish person that worked for the Roman government to collect taxes for them and to rip people off, you gotta imagine that your friends probably really didn't like you. So Matthew, the disciple, was a tax collector. Nobody liked him. And Jesus called him to be his disciple while he's sitting at the tax collector's booth, basically sitting in the middle of his sin. You and I have to understand that God called us in the middle of our sin as well. So the Pharisees were kind of like the religious people of the day and they got angry about it. And I love what Jesus said. He was so blunt. It says, then he added to the Pharisees, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So Jesus said, why don't you go learn the meaning of the scripture that says, I want, to, I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. How much do you want to bet that those Pharisees knew that scripture verbatim? Absolutely. They knew it by heart. But the thing was is that that scripture wasn't in their heart because obviously they weren't producing the fruit of what that scripture said. So Jesus said, yeah, I know you can quote this scripture all day, but go reread it and learn something from it. I love how blunt he was. So don't ever think that you can't learn from a scripture that you know well. Just a piece of advice for those of us who've been in church a long time, don't skip something because it seems familiar or simple. God may wanna teach you something different today. For those of you who are new to church and this whole thing, or maybe you've come back to the Lord, don't get overwhelmed when you read about a shepherd and a rod and a staff and oil on your head and you don't get it. Ask somebody to walk through it with you. Ask that person in your small group who's been at this a long time. Don't let it overwhelm you. Just ask somebody for help because we've all been there. So many times God wants you to read it again and read it again so that he can get a new level of meaning into your heart. So I was reading Psalm 23 one day. I could have just quoted it, but I decided to read it that day. And I began thinking of what verses four and five really mean. I've quoted this verse so many times But I don't think I ever paid enough attention to verses four and five. So I'm going to read them for you in the NIV. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows." So in these verses, David is describing himself as walking through a valley, as walking through a dark time in life, as having a lot of enemies all around him, basically. And David was a guy who knew all about dark times and knew all about having enemies. If you want a little bit of history of David, David was the one who was supposed to become the next king, but there was one problem. The current king was afraid of him and hated him and wanted to take his life. So David was a man on the run, supposed to be the next king, but living in caves a lot of the time, running from King Saul who hated him and wanted to kill him. So David knew about hard times in life and we don't know exactly when he wrote this, but he certainly understood what it was like to feel lonely, to feel forgotten, to feel mistreated and to feel unloved at times by people who should have loved him and should have appreciated him. David understood those feelings but he understood how God felt about him and what God would do for him in those moments. So today I wanna to share with you nine things that God will do for you in the midst of your struggle. If you have those, the note papers right there, I would encourage you, write this stuff down. Take the time to write this down and take it home and study it for yourself. But we're gonna go pretty slowly through this. We'll get out of here on time. We'll cover all of our points. But I want us to take time to really pay attention to what God's saying. So number one, it says, God will walk with you. God will walk with you. If you look in Psalm 23, four, it says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. In the middle of your darkest moments, God is there. I love Psalm 139. I love reading about how God is with us wherever we go. He talks about, listen, I could go as far as I possibly could, but you would be there at all times. In fact, in verse five of Psalm 139, it says, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. I love the imagery that God's before me and he's behind me. Wherever I go, he surrounds me and his hand of blessing is upon me. Deuteronomy 31 6 says be strong and of good courage don't fear or be afraid of them for the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you he will not leave you nor forsake you maybe your struggle today is a struggle with loneliness God never left you and he never will maybe your struggle is a struggle with guilt because you feel that you've run from God God never left you and he never will Psalm 23, 6, we just read, it says, goodness and mercy have been pursuing you. So turn around and receive it. Maybe a struggle today is a financial struggle. We see in the New Testament that they use this scripture out of Deuteronomy to address people who are having financial issues in life. It talks about not being greedy for money, and it says, because God has said that he will never leave you or forsake you. Sometimes our struggle in our finances is really because we believe that if we don't keep all of this for ourselves, then God isn't gonna provide for us. So we gotta try to hoard everything that we can in order to protect us and our family, but God says, if you just trust me, I'd be right there in the middle of your financial mess. My hand of blessing would be upon your head. And I could sort all this out by giving you the wisdom to walk through it. God will walk with you. Number two, God will protect you. Everybody say protect. In the Amplified, it's kind of cool. It explains it a bit more. It says, I will fear no evil in verse four, for you are with me, your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. See, the shepherd would carry a rod and a staff and a rod served the purpose of protecting the sheep. If something was a danger to the sheep, he could fight it off with that rod that he had in his hand. You think about the image that David knew so well. David had fought off a lion. He had fought off a bear when they tried to attack his sheep. So David understood what it meant for a shepherd to protect his flock. And he knew that that's the same attitude and the same mentality that God had Toward him. In fact, if you listen to what David said when he was speaking with King Saul, he said that basically when the bear and the lion had a lamb in its mouth, he went and attacked it and got it out of its mouth. You may feel like the devil has you right where he wants you, but if you would just trust God and turn to him, then he could deliver you from all of that. What's really cool is a rod also served as an instrument of correction, which is also for our protection, So sometimes the shepherd might, hey, hey, get back over here, might get that sheep in line a little bit. He has to hit him to get him back with the flock because there's protection there. And so many times God's not just gonna protect you from the outside dangers, but he wants to protect you from the danger that's within you, from your will and your way, which is not gonna turn out the best for you. And sometimes we feel like when God is correcting us, we think, oh man, that's the devil. That can't be the Lord telling me to do that. But God's thinking, no, that's, that's me telling you how to live your life appropriately and correctly. That's me protecting you from the danger that's within you. Number three is God will guide you. Again, we see that in Psalm 23:4, it says your rod to protect and your staff to guide. They comfort me. A shepherd used their tools and their skills to guide the sheep away from danger and into rest. What I think is so great right here is that David describes a dark valley. Some translations say the valley of the shadow of death. And you might be in a place tonight where you feel like I can't see my way out of this valley. I can't see my way out of this mess that maybe I've created or maybe somebody else has helped me get into, or whatever that may be. And you think, God, I don't know if there's a way for me to get out of this, but the shepherd says, I'll guide you out of the darkness. I'll lead you to that place of blessing and rest and refreshing if you just choose to trust me. No matter how dark of a valley you're in today, the shepherd knows the way out. And he's not frustrated with you for being in that valley, He just wants you to allow him to guide you out of that place. Number four, he will comfort you. To know that God's walking with you, fighting for you and guiding your life is the ultimate peace. Listen, when you know that you're in the will of God, you know that you have his full blessing, his full protection and his full provision on your life you know that he's guiding you every step of the way. And all you have to do is trust. And here's what I love about trusting the Lord. If I trust God when he tells me to do something, the responsibility for it to work out is not on me. It's on him. I just have to do exactly what he said. It was his idea in the first place. And so I just have to trust him that he'll take the responsibility to make it happen. But so many times we wanna try and do things our own way. So many times we want to try and make things happen in our own strength and what we know about the world. But the shepherd would say, hey, just rest. Just have a little bit of comfort right now and trust that I'll guide you out of this place. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says it like this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, the shepherd protects and guides the sheep. And this scripture is saying that God's peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. His presence is always with you because his spirit lives inside you. No matter where you go, you can't escape his presence and you can find peace there. Number five is he will provide for you. Can I be honest? This is the part where I get really excited about this scripture. I think it's so fascinating what David says here. It says, you prepare a table before me. A table is a place where we not only eat, but we rest. God says in the middle of your struggle, I'm gonna provide you with the provision that you need. I'm gonna provide you with the rest that you need. This is not necessarily something that you can take too far, but it's really interesting that the table that he talks about that the Lord prepared for him, there was a table as well where they would place the bread of the presence or the showbread. The table talks to the presence of God in the tabernacle. And David understood what it meant to be in the presence of God. You gotta think if somebody prepares a table for you, you can sit down and you can have a meal together. You can be in the presence of the Almighty God. At the table, there's a, there's a seat for you to rest and to be refreshed, and there's provision for you that you don't have to worry about how you're gonna get what you need in life. Maybe provision for you doesn't look like food like David referred to, and I don't think that's what he was just referring to. Maybe provision for you looks like a good friend in time of need. Maybe you feel like, I don't have any friends. Maybe provision looks like finances for you. Maybe provision looks like the right book for you to read and learn and grow from, or the right life group to join, the right place to serve. But God would say in the middle of your time of need, I just need you to sit with me and I'm going to provide everything that you need. Sit here in my presence. Get your strength here. Number 6 is he will publicly honor you. In the pre- I love what it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We could stop there for just a second because I love the concept of that. I imagine kind of people, maybe there's a battle going on or whatever, and the Lord just right in front of everybody in the midst of this battle or while it's waiting to happen just provides this whole spread for you. And everybody knows that God is fighting for you and that God is with you. It says, you anoint my head with oil in verse five. When you would anoint somebody's head with oil, it was a symbol of honor for that person. It was a symbol of respect towards them. They would anoint priests' heads with oil. David was anointed with oil when he became king. It was a symbol of respect and honor. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So when the devil tries to throw things at you, and maybe it's your pastor, maybe it's the situation that you're in right now, what you have to remember is that God is going to publicly let the devil know that you're his kid, that you're a part of his priesthood, that you're set apart for God, and that nothing that the devil can try to do against you can come to pass if you'll trust in him. We have to understand that we are marked. We're destined for something different. We're set apart as God's sons and daughters. We're royal priests in his eyes. And so when everything in life tries to be thrown at you, just remember who you are. And just remember that God is the one who declares who you are. I think about Joseph, and the story of Joseph is so fascinating to me. He was called to greatness. If you don't know the story, he was one of the youngest of a bunch of brothers And he was destined for greatness and he knew it. And he probably jumped the gun by saying that a little bit too soon. And he made his brothers really mad and they sold him into slavery, which is a pretty dirty thing to do to your brother. But it was kind of the nicer of the two options. They were going to kill him, but they said, let's be nice and just sell him into slavery. And so he was sold into slavery. He became a slave in the house of the captain of the palace guard in Egypt, But what's really interesting is that he was a slave there, but he became so uh, trusted in that household, he was such a great manager, honestly, that he was able to manage all the affairs of this guy's household, and he didn't really care about anything except what he was going to eat, what he was going to wear. He just let Joseph run with it. But then he was wrongly accused of something, and so then he's thrown in jail. He's back at the bottom again. But while he's at his lowest point, again, in jail, Being wrongfully accused, he rises to the top. God promotes him and honors him and he basically becomes the supervisor of this entire jail that he's in. And eventually he has another low point so people forget about him and don't put in a good word for him. And he rises then after that though to become second in command of all of Egypt. At the very end, what's so cool is the brothers that sold him into slavery, they come to him for help. And they realize that he's in authority and in power over them. In the presence of the people who tried to ruin his life, God publicly honored him. And every low place that he hit that the devil meant for harm in his life, God rose him to the very top of that place. So whatever you walk through in life, understand that your adversary, the devil, is going to try to get you as low as he possibly can. He's going to try to ruin everything. He's going to try to derail you and sidetrack you from your calling in life. Going to try to derail and sidetrack your family from being a part of a life-giving local church. But you need to realize that in that place if you just trust God, he would lift you above all that and he would publicly honor you. Number 7 is he will refresh you. And again talking about you anoint my head with oil Oil wasn't just for honoring people. When a guest came into a household, it was hot in that area in that day. And so when a guest came into a household, they would give them olive oil as a way to refresh themselves. I don't want to get too far into this, but a lot of times we feel like we don't have the strength to go on. Like you ever been out in the heat for a long time and you just kind of sapped, like you're done for the day. If there's anybody who runs or, or, or maybe even if you just work outside, I know I used to go for long runs too late in the day. And after that, the rest of my day, I didn't have any strength for the rest of the day. What this is talking about here for me is, if I feel like I don't have strength, if I feel like I don't have the power to go on in life, if I would get in the presence of God, because the oil of, the oil of anointing represents the Holy Spirit, if I would get in the presence of God, then what would happen is God would refresh me and God would revive me. Nehemiah eight ten. It says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Psalm 16, says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So how do I get strength? I get it from joy. And how do I get joy? I get it from his presence. Wherever he's at, that's where I'm refreshed. So when I engage with the Holy Spirit, when I begin to just maybe pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit, or listen to some worship music and stir myself up, or pray, or read my word, what begins to happen is my strength is renewed. Isaiah 40 speaks a lot of that. I love what it says in Acts 3 19 and 20. It says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Number eight is, He will anoint you. And we've been talking about this, but this means more than we think. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we think, Man, I'm in a tough place. I got nothing to give. How am I supposed to lead my family? How am I supposed to lead my coworkers to Jesus? I've got nothing left in the tank. But I believe that God would say that in the midst of your struggle, his spirit is still on you and you can still be anointed to lead your family, to reach those coworkers for Jesus and to get as close to Jesus as you can possibly be. Don't think that because you're in a struggle or in a tough time that you can't stay close to the Lord and lead other people to him. Sometimes your weakest point is the best place to minister to people from because they might see that you turn to God when things are going wrong in your life. Lastly, number nine is he will fill you up. He said, my cup overflows. A lot of times we're so concerned, we're just kind of coming in and getting barely enough of Jesus to last for the week but the psalmist took it as, no, you're going to fill me up and then I'm going to overflow. Psalm 65, says, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. God can cause your heart to be full of his peace, his love, his favor, and his wisdom. And that's an awesome thing. We want to walk through life full of God's peace and his love. We want to walk through life full of his security and his wisdom. But I think the greatest blessing comes when you realize that it overflows out of you, that what's inside of you is for you, but what's overflowing out of you is what's for the people around you. When you walk into your workplace and they know what you're going through, they know what's happening in your finances. Maybe it was a medical bill that you couldn't pay or they know that, that you know that layoffs are coming and somebody's gonna get cut or whatever that may be and you have a joy that radiates out of you sometimes that can be your very best witness to those people. God doesn't just want to fill you up to halfway full so that you can get through the valley so that you can get through the tough time in life. God doesn't even just want to fill you up all the way so that you can have all the joy and the wisdom and the peace and the favor and the blessing that you need. God wants you to overflow so that it can flow onto the people around you so that people around you could start to ask you, hey, listen, listen. You've got a piece about you that I can't explain, I don't understand, and I want to know where it came from. The overflow is the place that God wants to use to minister to the people around you. Does that maybe bring a little bit more clarity on those verses to you today? I know there's a lot and we went quick, but can I encourage you? I love to read the verses that seem familiar. John three sixteen everybody knows it, but the verse after it is the one that says, God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. We skip over the familiar and we miss the treasure that's inside of it. So my encouragement to you this week is to take the time. What is that familiar verse for you? What is that thing that you've read a million times and you just kind of skim over these days? Take the time, and I dare you to do this. Sit down and say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me learn today from this verse? And just take your time. If it's the only two verses you get through that day, it's the only two verses you get through. But allow the Lord to minister to you, your situation, where you're at, and to teach you how to apply it to your life. Can we pray today? Father, we thank you for this day, and we love you. You are the good shepherd, and you care for us you take care of us and through the darkest valleys of life in the presence of our enemies or in the middle of our greatest triumphs you guide us you shepherd us you correct us you protect us you anoint us you bless us you put your favor on our lives and you provide for us and we're thankful for that That if we stay close to you, that you'll lead us and guide us through any storm that we may face in this life. And at the other side of the valley, we'll look back and we'll see all the faithfulness that you had for us. That in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of job situations and family situations, marital stress, sickness in our bodies, that we'll say, you know what? God's got it all taken care of. So I'm just gonna sit right here and I'm gonna watch the provision and the favor of the Lord. If you're here today and you need rest, you need peace. With nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I wanna pray for that for you specifically right now. If you're thinking, man, I've been going through a storm, I've been going through a valley, I feel like everything has surrounded me, the devil's got me cornered, but I need some peace in my life. If that's you today, be bold, don't be afraid, nobody's looking, just raise your hand. I just wanna declare God's peace over you. We live in an anxious, worried world, but God says, slow down. There's rest for you in my presence. Father, I thank you for each and every person who raised their hand just now. We declare that your peace that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And what that means is when those thoughts of anxiety and worry creep back into their minds, that you're the one guarding their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. That you're the one that's defending them from those thoughts and saying, no, you're not allowed here in Jesus' name. As they seek to stay close to you, that you can take care of that. And I declare for every person who's walking in the middle of a valley, where they feel like the enemy has surrounded them, the devil's just got them cornered, that you say, no, I've got provision, I've got protection, I've got favor, I've got blessing, and above all else, I've got the peace and the joy and the strength that come from my presence. And it's here for you right now, if you just tap in. We hope that you enjoyed this message.